Welcome to Over the Wall, Racing to Recovery, a 3103 Media Group production. Serving you by showing you how to succeed at speed in a fast-paced world. Again, welcome and thank you for listening. My name is Charles West, your gracious and grateful host, producer, and head honcho for this program. And I'm an alcoholic. The last day I drank alcohol was November 9th, 2017. And for an alcoholic like me, that is truly a miracle. It's a miracle because I was powerless. I'm completely powerless over the obsession to drink alcohol, and I'm completely powerless over the effect it has once it's in my body. This show wouldn't be possible without my sobriety. By the way, the intro music is actually me playing the guitar. When I quit drinking, I put almost all of that time into teaching myself to play, something I'd always dreamed about. Well, I did it, and it's changed my life. I can walk into a guitar store and actually play stuff. I can sit around a campfire with my friends and actually play stuff. Talk about cool as hell. I had no idea. Give me a guitar and I'm instantly good for the rest of the day. Anyway, I hope you enjoy it. I'll be playing more as the show goes on. Without further delay, let's get to today's program. Thanks for listen, listening to Over the Wall, Racing to Recovery. Enjoy the show. Hey fans, I'm going to do something a little bit different for today's program. Um, this is something that I ran across um, while going through some some boxes and stuff of, of uh, my racing gear here at the house. And um, man, I, I ran across something that's just really a treasure. And um, it's kind of the basis for this program. And, and, and man, this is going back a, a while. Um, but it's something that I wrote. And it's something that I wrote um, very early in my the second half of my what I call my racing career it was when I had returned to IndyCar um, you know where I was actually you know working as a team director for a, a, a Christian outfit out of Houston named Kingdom Racing um, what a wonderful organization it was it was an honor to be able to work with them for a long time um, and to really help develop the IndyCar program that they had at the time it was it was really a blessing um, that I never you know would have imagined um, but this this goes back to the the very first season really that I that I worked with Kingdom Racing, um, and it was doing it was something that I was doing on a volunteer basis. I was financing um, you know everything myself, and and, and um, you know they, they helped out with some expenses here and there. But I mean this was this was at a time when uh, when I was really financing my life myself based on my life savings. I had no income, and I was really following where the Lord directed me to, to go. Um, it's really before my, my drinking career took off, um, which has been, you know, kind of a, an interesting thing to revisit this. Um, but, you know, without going too much further, and I can discuss this later on, um, this is something that I wrote, and it's an, an experience that I wrote nine years ago. Um, it's October 2020 right now. Um, getting close to Halloween here, but um, this was something that I wrote. It looks like uh, the date on it is is August 11th of 2011. And just to kind of put this in a time frame for you with respect to my life, um, March of night or March of 2011 was when my father passed away, March the 4th, 2011, and then obviously um, later on in the year, 
um, October of 2011, almost you know, almost exactly nine years ago today, is when um, is when we lost Dan Weldon. Um, Danny was a he was a very special friend in my life. He was somebody I've I've loved dearly. Um, my you know my our time together was really short, but the times that I had with him were really special. And um, so there were you know 2011 was a was a very dark year for me. I I lost my father and I lost um, you know one of the racing heroes that that I got to know. Um, and I was, I was there, um, you know, I was there for both events. I mean, I was there when Danny was killed and, and I was there obviously whenever my father passed away. Um, so I just kind of want to, I want to put that into frame and, and, and I'm going to read to you what I have here. Um, uh, but this is a, uh, this is a story called, um, racing comes second. And, uh, so let's go ahead and let's, let's get it, let's get it started here. I've got to be honest. I went to Mid-Ohio thinking it would be nothing more than an ordinary race weekend aside from the fact that it would be Martin Plowman's first IndyCar race. Oh, how wrong I would be. Joe Peterson is the man responsible for initially bringing me into this amazing story. As we sat on the tug ready to tow Davey Hamilton's car out for the Texas Twin 275s, he asked my interest in covering Martin's three races this season, something that was a closely guarded secret at the time. Oddly enough, I let him know I would love to, but had yet to even meet Martin. Not five minutes later, Martin walked past and Joe handled the introduction. After the expected pleasantries and swapping of business cards, it could no longer be said I'd never met Plowy. Little did I know what I was getting myself into. Come time for Martin's debut at Mid-Ohio, Joe and I traveled together on the same flight with Indy 500 legends Johnny Rutherford and Alan Sir Jr. to Columbus, Ohio on a Thursday morning. As we flew, I could not help but think that five Indianapolis 500 victories flew along with us. In fact, I turned around and spotted little Al, as I always call him, sleeping with his head cocked back on his headrest. For a lifelong fan of the 500, it was yet another surreal moment of my racing insanity. To be fair, Joe had warned me. He'd let me know all the things that I'd seen and done would hold no comparison to the experience of, be of becoming a member of Team Plowy. Knowing little else at the time, I considered it nothing more than lip service. That changed at the moment that I met Mark and Anita Plowman for the first time. Joe and I made our way to the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course after lunch on Thursday and immediately found the Plowman Motor Coach. Mark, Martin's father and a man I'd never met before, greeted me with a gigantic bear hug. Anita followed immediately after in identical fashion. I would no idea that from that moment on, I had gained a new family, and that's no lie. Mark and Anita are now family. Kingdom Racing has but one mission, to deliver God's word through motorsports. And let me tell you, Martin Plowman and the Plowman family are prime examples of that mission. In fact, their story exemplifies the very principles of the Christian walk. And to see that in depth requires that you walk alongside them for a while. Page two. Well, we'll get to it here. Hold on a minute. See, we're going old school. For me, oh, one second, we're getting here. For me, it was an amazingly fortunate opportunity to do so. I can tell you this much. In early March, I watched my father die from cancer. I spent his final hours with him and kissed his lifeless body goodbye before any warmth had left his remains. 
There is no need to explain what a tremendously emotional experience it was. I told my daddy farewell. Here to stand as the oldest living male member of my family. Those who have gone through the event know it can be a sobering experience. I like that phrase, sobering experience. This was before I really started getting drunk. That being said, the weekend spent with Team Plowie and Snowball Express was easily over 10 times more emotional and rewarding than the passing of my own father. That should speak volumes. Martin Plowman is a special driver, and my prediction is that he will soon become a phenomenon, if not a benchmark of excellence in the IndyCar series. Well, that didn't exactly happen. Sorry about that, Plowie, if you're listening. What took place at Mid-Ohio was simply awe-inspiring, and not just the on-track action. For those of you not familiar with Martin's sponsor, Snowball Express, I urge you to visit their website, www.snowballexpress.org. More importantly, visit their donation page. And I put the links all in here. I'm not going to go through all these slashes and dots and whatnot. Anyway, Snowball's Ex Snowball Express's mission is simple, to provide hope and new memories to the children of military fallen heroes who have died while on active duty since 9-11. You know, it was great working with Snowball Express, and, they, you know, there's a lot more. This guy, remember, this is nine years ago, um, but, man, I, I know that um, Gary Sinise has really taken over that organization. He's somebody that I actually got to meet whenever uh, whenever I was working for Tim Plowey and, and, and Snowball Express and, and working with, with Kingdom Racing and, and the, the just wonderful group of people that we had. Um, truly, truly a God-inspired thing, and... Um, I know somewhere out there is a picture that, that uh, Joe took of me and, and, and Lieutenant Dan, uh, Gary Sinise. One of these days I'm going to get that, or else I'm going to have to take another one with Gary if I ever get a chance to meet him again. Um, wonderful organization, wonderful man. I know it's kind of a segue, but it's something I needed to share. Um, let's continue on with what I wrote. At Mid-Ohio, Team Plow and Kingdom Racing hosted two Snowball Express families for his special debut. The impressions they left upon my heart is indescribable, even for a writer. Joyfully, their numbers will be increasing at Sears Point in Baltimore. Those were two races that we still had to go in the season. So, um, as I mentioned earlier in the story, we, we were signed up for three. This was just the first of those three. The mothers' names were Kathy and Pam, and together they brought three children. On race day, these five people changed my life. As a diehard race fan, I never thought that racing would no longer matter, especially on race day at a racetrack. Last Sunday, a beautiful transformation took place. As I hoisted a little boy onto my shoulders to watch the cars and crews during morning practice and hike around the paddock, racing fell sharply down the totem pole of important things. During races involving kingdom racing, Joe and I can usually be found in one of two places, either in the pits or the media center. Not at Mid-Ohio. We forgot all about that stuff and joined the fans. We loaded the golf cart, a.k.a. the buggy, per the Queen's meticulous English and Mark Plowman, um, who I believe is Cockney. And, Mark, I haven't talked to you in a while, but, man, I miss hearing your voice. Um, with the Snowball families and headed for the infield of the road course, we found a nice shady spot on the side of a hill overlooking Turn 6. And there we sat, watching the race and acting like old friends and family. Family being the key word in the whole affair. Page 3. Kathy's son is the same age as my own. When he needed to use the restroom, I took him, though Kathy always asked if I was sure about the offer. It was my pleasure to take the boy while she sat and enjoyed the day. I stood in line with the child while he, while he acted much like any other five-year-old boy. He reminded me so much of my own son, 
When he got out of line and started kicking gravel on others, I stopped him and moved, back, moved him back in line, per my own personal fatherly experience. As we stood there, I nearly cried at such a simple, always overlooked moment. My kids live on the other side of the country with their mother, and it is a rarity that I get to spend quality time with them. Meanwhile, standing there with that young boy, very much like my own, it struck me that his daddy was far away too, up in heaven, asking me directly to take care of his little boy. And I felt the weight of a soldier's responsibility come crashing down on me. Now, I must admit to not breaking down until arriving at the hotel that night, but I wanted to very badly at that moment. This boy's father died in defense of our country, and I had the absolute honor and privilege of sitting with his son at the race and taking him to the potty. As a father missing his son, standing there with a boy who will never know his father, it easily counted as one of the most deeply emotional moments of my life. It reasons to say that it will be hard to top. You know, and I'm sitting here nine years later, and I can promise you that that is absolutely the case. Um, it was a very, very, very deep moment in my life, and even though it sits mostly on the other side of my, you know, drinking, my alcoholic drinking um, time, um, it, it was. I, I still tell this story um, quite a bit on how, how much I was moved, and I did. I got back to the hotel in Columbus that night, and I collapsed in the hallway crying because of what we went through and what I, what I, what I witnessed and, and what God moved in me that day. Let's continue on. I just took the young man to the potty. Not less than a few hundred yards away, the Honda Indy 200 raged on and neither of us much cared. I know that all I cared about was spending that day and those moments with that little boy and his family. I heard the stories of how each man died. In Kathy and Pam, lifelong friends were instantly found. War is a bitter pill to swallow. Across the country, we may know a family down the street who has lost a loved one. Perhaps the child who used to cut the summer grass died on the battlefield. It could be that our daughter's high school flame gave his life for our freedom and shall forever remain a memory. The stories vary, but inevitably, for most Americans, they are few. At Mid-Ohio, we came face to face with two ladies who lost their husbands and, and fathers of their children to the war on terror. We shared moments with the shadows of real American heroes. And at once, I saw the horrific result of war and the beautiful reconstruction and resolution of determined souls. It is not just the soldiers who sacrifice on the field of battle. There are others back home who give their all, too. Pam's son turned seven two days before the race. And that's, I'm going to stop right there. That's interesting to think about. So that's nine years ago. Seven. That, that young man is 16 now, probably driving a car. I took that young man to the potty. <laughs> that day he received a special telephone call wishing him happy birthday. He would not only end up meeting the young man who made that telephone call, but also watch him gain eight positions to finish 18th at Mid-Ohio on Sunday. Yep, Martin Plowman made that call. Page four. Because that's just the type of man he is. It's the man his parents raised him to be and the man who took time out of his life to visit troops overseas during the Indy 500 Centennial Tour this past winter. With the entire Plowman family, and all of Team Plowy for that matter, racing comes second. Family comes first. And thankfully, luckily, some of us are lucky enough, lucky enough 
to be a part of it. I know, man, I know I was. Man, it was, it was such a wonderful time in my life. God bless our fallen soldiers and those they leave behind. It is our charge as a nation and that of Snowball Express, Kingdom Racing, Team Plowy, and the IndyCar Series to see that they are never forgotten. Amen to that. I had to pause for a second after reading that. Um, man, I, it's hard to believe that that's nine years ago. Um, it was very obviously impactful to my life um, to think about, you know, the fact that I would spend the next six years, you know, really, really drinking alcoholically and, and what that would do to, you know, my personal life and my career and my family. Um, you know, we can be we can be out there, we can be serving God, we can be doing good things in, in, in Christ's name. But you know, all it takes is is circumstances of life and, and our own proclivities to send us down the wrong path. You know, and I'm here to tell you that um man, the the next several years of my life were very topsy turvy and I, I you know, that, that tumbleweed really hasn't come to rest yet. Um, and yeah, I know I'm using a old West Texas term, you know, that's where I grew up, but you know, um, those things, those things tend to go for, for a good distance. And, um, you know, my life has been really been turned upside down. A lot of that is because of my alcoholism. Um, there's a lot of other environmental factors too, but you know, the fact of the matter is if I had not been an alcoholic, my life would have been a lot easier to handle. Um, I, I did not read through this story, um, fully at least, until, until I just read it for you here on the show. So a lot of those emotions were real. I, didn't, I, I knew how emotional that, that event was. I remember breaking down in the hallway after calling my ex-wife on the phone to tell her about the day, and I, and I just lost it you know, because I, you know, I realized at that point in time how selfish I was. And, you know, wanting to have my own family and my own kids around me when there's men and <laughs> that don't that aren't alive anymore because they gave their lives for my freedom, for your freedom, for the freedom of this nation. You know, for the for the ability for us to be able to go to recovery meetings, for us to have the ability to go to church, for us to have the ability to walk down the street without having our papers checked. You know, and, and, and I remember that weekend being the first one that I started meeting families that had lost service members. You know, the, the way I tell the story now, um, you know, there was a point in my life I didn't know anybody that was affected by the war on terror. And, you know, because of my association with Snowball Express and Martin Plowman and Joe Peterson and George Del Canto and Kingdom Racing and, and just the wonderful, wonderful organizations that these places are, there's about, there's about 45 to 50 people that I know personally that lost somebody in the military since 9-11. And it's hard to fathom to me that that's been 19 years ago, almost 20 years. You know, and, and, and I, you know, I don't think this nation has healed since. And it's, you know, there's different reasons for that, but, you know, we're all still here and we all still got to live the rest of today and we all still got to get ready for tomorrow. Um, 
anyway, I, I hope you guys enjoyed hearing this story. I know it's a it's it's a blast from the past, but you know, from an from a recovering alcoholic who's you know seen the upper echelons of motorsport, um, this was kind of the beginning of that. This is where you know this story is where I really started delving into becoming a part of the IndyCar series and and actually start you know working with and running a race team in, in that series. And, and and that ride didn't didn't stop until uh, until well into 2014. So it was you know it, it it was starting up, but it it started going pretty good in 2012. And um, you know those are some stories I'm going to be able to relay later on. But uh, Martin Plowman was one of the first drivers that I got to work with. You know as long as as well as uh, Davy Hamilton, Ed Carpenter, and Dan Weldon. I'm um, just wonderful, wonderful people. And and what <laughs> one of the things I love about this, you know, absolutely is we're talking about an organization that benefits American heroes, absolutely American heroes. And yet Martin Plowman is from England and his family is from England and they were doing this to help American families and American widows and American children that had lost their fathers. Um, it's just a wonderful time in my life. I miss it. I miss the people that I was around. I miss the... <laughs> the smiles and the jokes and the fun and, and, you know, eating pork tenderloins and, you know, whatever racetrack food that we got. Um, and just hanging out and hearing stories and, 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 you know, feeling the same spirit of our Lord through all of that. Um, anyway, I, I, I ran across that and I wanted to share that with you. And, um, you know, whenever, <laughs> whenever I wrote that, I had no idea, obviously that, 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 you know, I'd be sitting here doing this right now. But the title came to me, you know, right off the bat and just said, racing comes second. And I, I was like, man, I remember writing this, you know, barely, but I do remember writing this. And it just goes right to what we're talking about on this podcast. And the reason that I'm here is, is that, you know, my, my experience in racing and my experience in recovery, you know, go hand in hand. And um, this just, it didn't appear. You know, this this had its its use and its publicity, whatever, you know, whenever I published it, you know, nine years ago, whether, whether I put it on our website or Twitter or Facebook or whatever, you know, crap that is. Um, but today, today, in October 2020, it, it still has validity as to where, you know, God was in my life and some of the things he was doing in my life and, and, and where we've come since then. So anyway, I just... I thank you for listening. Um, I know it's kind of a segue, you know, out of <laughs> something out of the way from what I'm normally here talking about. But um, that thing didn't just float to the top of the pile for no reason. God wanted that read, and, and so he, he made it available for me to read and share with all of y'all. Anyway, thanks for joining the show. Um, we'll talk to you next time. Godspeed. Bye now. That's the end of today's show. We thank you and hope you'll continue listening and supporting Over the Wall Racing to Recovery, both spiritually and financially. We really need your help financially. This show operates on a shoestring budget. I'll be honest, currently it's all financed on credit cards. If you find that this program helps you or someone you love, please consider donating financially. It will really go towards helping this program continue for the benefit of others with addiction and recovery in their lives. This will be a place with the focus on sharing experience, strength, and hope for others in recovery and how they can overcome the fear that's holding them back from actually living the good life that God gave them. 
It's been said that most people die having never really lived at all. Choose to live. Choose to love. Choose God. And choose to trust Him. Doing so constitutes the first leap over the wall necessary to get you racing toward recovery. Are you brave enough to take such a leap of faith? You never know. The life you change might just be your own. You might just win the trophy. You might just win the game. You might just win the race. And you might just make a difference in someone's life. But you never know until you go over the wall. Thank you again for listening. Over the Wall Racing to Recovery is a 3103 Media Group production. Once more, my name is Charles West, and I'm an alcoholic. Contact us, please. Email me directly, and I will answer you. Charles at 3103media.com. I'd love to hear from you. We can also be found on the web with links to all content at 3103media.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at C-H-R-L-S-W-S-T. Again, at C-H-R-L-S-W-S-T. That's where you can find me most of the time. Until next time, keep the rubber side down, hit your marks, keep it smooth, and may God's speed bring you home in one piece. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be your host. It is a tremendous honor. They call me Charles West, and I am racing to recovery. See you next time, race fans. Thanks for coming out. Bye now.